This is the Wizard's Nightshirt Podcast, episode 54. Welcome to the Wizard's Nightshirt. This is episode number 54. I'm Rebecca, and here with me are... He's starting with the man in the mirror. He's asking him to change his ways. It's Will! Gotta make the world a better place. And my name is Many Faces. Does <laughs> <laughs> Many Faces sing that song? Yeah. He's looking in the mirror at all his faces. That's true. Well, I thought... Oh, no, that's true. I was just thinking, like, oh, are we doing karaoke now? Because that, that's Fisto's department. Right. No? Okay. (laughs) And he is the world. He is the children. He's the one who makes a brighter day, so let's start living. It's Scott! Why don't I know that reference? I was trying to give y'all some 80s '80s feel-good ballads. I I thought I was going to give that away because earlier I I was thinking of We Are the World because I thought of this intro, Will, and I was going around singing the part where you know Bob Dylan starts singing. Mm -hmm. Like, We Are the World. We are the children. And I was like doing that. And I'm like, Will's going to know that I'm going to see that I'm going to say that. <laughs> Somehow I missed you doing a Bob Dylan impression <laughs> around, around the kitchen. I love so that. So let's uh, start giving. <laughs> I love that foot, that video, by the way, if you, if you watch it, it looks like he is so miserable and just seething the entire time. But, but he, he's like, I'm born in here my part. <laughs> You know, we'll make a right away, just you and me. At the Wizard's Nightshirt, we're revisiting He-Man, Masters of the Universe, and She-Ra, Princess of Power. And apparently, the entirety of the 1980s catalog of superstar songs. <laughs> Today, we're reviewing He-Man, Season 2, Episode 83, Into the Abyss. This is also our monthly lightning round episode. That means we'll be pulling out the stopwatch for a quick review of several episodes that happened between our main episodes. As always, you can check our episode guide on the website if you'd like to follow along. Now let's hear more from Rebecca about this week's episode. The original air date was October 9th, 1984. And in this episode, Tila falls into a bottomless pit and wonder if she's in the afterlife. Meanwhile, He-Man and Man-at-Arms try to rescue her. Oh, here we have a Tell-Tila for the ages. <laughs> this might, yeah, this is a... This, uh, uh, there's some meat to this one, but yeah, it's big-time Tell-Tila. Yeah, so this is an episode that also has a lot of lecturing in it. Uh-huh. And I feel that they're all just really on Tila's case, and it just drives me crazy. And um, I, I don't know, have you... Do you have any memories of being lectured excessively for... How you choose to spend your time when you're not working, or if you've been working too hard, but then also the way you're playing is wrong. Because I feel that that was a lesson that got really hammered home to Tila. They were like, "You're working too much," but then also the way that you're playing is not right. <laughs> I feel like um, there uh, there was a lot of concern with our generation, or maybe just in my house, with um, how whether you were getting enough outside time. I remember I spent a lot of time on the computer uh, playing text-based role-playing games. Nerd! And I would spend hours, hours doing that and coding up equipment for my guild and everything. Coding up? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you could keep going. Look, I was in charge of my guild, so I had to make all the the armor and all the stats for it and everything. So, so anyway, I was encouraged to spend a certain amount of time outside, like I was um, a flower that needed exposure you, weren't you to in sunlight. The Boy Scouts? Don't they spend? I'm all telling their time you. I'm telling there? you. I feel like I put in my dues. Okay. Like, look, I go on my camping trips and get my hot dog with mayonnaise on it once a month. Yeah. And then the rest of the time, I forgot about that. I play my text-based role-playing game. In the sun, <laughs> yeah. Ma- sun mayonnaise. Did you? Like the mayonnaise in the did you, sun. Which was uh, did, we didn't have when mayonnaise I go walking out to my did boy you, scouts. <laughs> did did your folks ever get onto you about you spending too much time inside or the what, how you yeah, were spending did, your time? Uh, did you do computer games? I would stuff? just go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, my parents lived in a development that had a pool for like the whole development. From like when it opened at noon. I wouldn't see anybody until like dinner time. <laughs> so I was down there every day for like five or six hours at the pool for many years. Swimming laps, pretending. I would just be running around and yeah, I'd be playing. I mean, there would be other kids in the neighborhood down there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was just talking with lifeguards, doing stuff. Yeah, it was a fun time. And then all the other time would be on computer or going, and then my parents complained about me being on the computer, then I just go over to my friend's house and play Nintendo. <laughs> or something else. Sneaky. Yeah. Rebecca, yeah. You, you, let me guess. You were wild. I was and wild. And nobody ever lectured you, but you may have lectured other people. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was thinking, um, uh, my best friend and I, we got into like a filmmaking phase, and she, she had a camcorder like her family did. This is when this was a relative luxury. We didn't all have them on our phones. Mm-hmm. And um, she and I would go make really stupid films all the time. And I remember her mom was, she was so not a fan of this. However, we used that camcorder more than anybody else in that family. And I'd say we got our money's worth out of it. And I just remember her always just being like, like, you're going to break my camera. Uh-huh. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> and we never did. We took good care of it. But yeah, no, we, we, we got some heat about that. That's funny. Our, our filmmaking phase. It was quite good. Would you just record over? Your stuff again? I mean, because tapes cost money. We recorded over a lot of weird old tapes. Because here's the thing about my, my best friend's family also. They were big into, like, rummage sales and got cheap, like, VHS tapes. And we recorded over those a lot of the time. So we didn't so it was have a, to... So it was a big... You put, you put in a big VHS Yeah, tape. It, it was one like of the a, big ones. It wasn't like a... Okay. It wasn't one of the VHSC camcorders. I, I eventually got one of those for myself and, you know, did my own films which I still have many of them. But yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, but yeah, no, they, they were not a fan of our filmmaking phase. What was your, what was your major theme? Oh, horror or so, just all general? What? So our, our tour de force, like our, our, you know, like wonderful artistic statement was a lampooning of alternative band culture. And it was called Biography of a Band That Sucks. And we played <laughs> girls named Johanna and Johanna who wanted to start their own band because they were inspired by a cool band that they saw. But then, like, their band was terrible because they were like, we love Green Day. And so we were, like, making yeah, okay. fun of, like, oh, MTV I, culture I at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And it was, a, it was a cute, it was a great lampooning. Our, so anyway. our town wasn't allowed to have MTV, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is why is so I was sad. playing text-based role-playing games. And we were very, we were, like, so cool. We were, like, above it, you know. We, we... We weren't uh, we weren't into that mm-hmm. scene. We made fun of it. We it was it was a good times. But no, Wilma did not want us using the camcorder. But you couldn't stop art. You can't get in the way of it. It's too good. Did you play any games I had when a, you were younger? 
I had Nintendo, and then we would even, like, into adolescence, we would just play NES, like, all the time. We never upgraded. And so you just go spend the night at your best friend's house, and you're just like, let's play Mario 3 for, like, the millionth time. But there was, a, like, a long period of time between that and, like, Xbox that I didn't play anything. So I missed out on all those tertiary developments and then the next time i picked up a controller it had like two thumbsticks and i was like what the hell but then i got into it again yeah you you, you had a, you had a transfer from yeah. 64 with one thumbstick <laughs> right and there, then, there was and a then, soft then, transition then, then there you could do two there was a soft transition but i figured it out i just want i just wanted to add uh one more thing also during this time also had the experience where there were some people's parents who wanted to treat their children and their friends like wild dogs. Like it's fun to have a dog, but during the daytime you should not be in the house. So you wake up and they're like, y'all go outside and don't come back in until dinner. And I don't care what you do, roam the woods and the neighborhood and just be wild for about 12 hours. And you can, and you can come in here to get snacks sometimes, but don't linger too long. So I also had that experience. I, I did that. I did that. My parents didn't tell me to do that. But mm-hmm. I, did that. I would go in the woods and we'd make fires. Mm-hmm. And build we were not allowed and... to hang out in the house. It's just they were they were just like just just go out and be gone for many many I didn't hours. I want to hang out in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not 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 that my house is nice or anything. It was just like I didn't you know I'm there mm-hmm. you know the rest of the time. Like during the summer, I was like I can go do stuff. It's nice outside. Like I don't know. I was good. It's fun. It's fun outside. Will is an indoor person. I mean, I like to. I I like playing games and stuff too, though. If I take games and then put it outside, that would be even better. That would be better. You could have had like a clubhouse that with the precarious extension cord running like all the way from the house. (laughs) We didn't have a giant tree in our yard, so treehouse was out. Don't you waste all my electricity. This is Prince Adam, and I do some good napping in Act 1. Get up, beast man, you've lost. <laughs> Never. Um, so, <laughs> so anyway, who probably has a very long extension cord running to their fortress is the Widgets. Which is where we open here in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into it, this episode was written by Robert Liam, who, by the way, is the same person who brought us Looky Lends a Hand. So that's what kind of episode that we're getting into. Uh, what was it? Is Robert Liam the name of the good one from Chicago also? Isn't that his name? Well, that's L-A-M-M. This is L-A-M-B. Oh, okay. And it's, isn't it Peter Liam? No. What's his name? It's Robert Which Liam. Is, is it Robert? We're going to look this up. We should also mention that there is a great Chicago documentary currently on Netflix, and if you want to hate Peter Cetera, you should watch it. <laughs> it is Robert Lamb. Is it as good as the good is it as good as the other one with the, the Tom Petty one? Oh, I haven't watched oh, this, that. This is Ooh, much. This I is should. this is much more uh, structured. The Tom Petty one's about five hours. <laughs> Aww. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I should watch the Tom Petty one. Good. I haven't watched it. I, I love Netflix documentaries about like music careers. Okay, so Will, to answer your question, this Robert Lamb is not Robert <laughs> Lamb of Chicago who played keyboards. I heard it was. <laughs> I heard he wrote it. So we have another Chicago connection to this podcast. <laughs> yes. That's the last thing we need. They're going to come out and play at the Jamboree. Yes, and they're gonna they're gonna play in Eternia. It clearly because Robert Lamb of Chicago was writing mm-hmm. this episode. No, it is not him. You're like, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. That's your head cannon. 
So, so He-Man is just dominating Beast Man. It's like a skunk match to save these widgets. Yeah, I was so excited when we saw the widgets, but then they really figured very little into the episode. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yay, it's the widgets! And it, was was kind like, of a, it was kind of a fun, cold open to start right in the middle of, of some drama. I was almost expecting um, them to be in some sort of like hologram practice fight, like the X-Men Danger Room or something, but he was really fighting Beast Man with some stone monsters to save the widgets, and it lasted like... 10 seconds, he whooped the hell out of them, <laughs> and then they just go immediately to Castle Grayskull to go brag to the, about themselves to the sorceress. That was, I thought that was so funny because this was a new development. We've never seen them go brag about their exploits, <laughs> no. especially to the sorceress who's like a shut-in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know. And she already knows. She can see you. It's true. If she wanted to know. Mind. She was probably like, mm, yes, I was aware this was going on, but yes. I was not terribly interested. But then she has to feign interest when they're there. And then we there have something good on the cooking shows. <laughs> yeah. I was like, excuse I'm making me. a roast right now. My crepes will burn if I don't give them due attention. And then she's, she is not having it. Um, and then I scored the winning basket. <laughs> Beastman, I'll give you 10 seconds to follow your friends before I send you there myself. Um, and then uh, also, He-Man was getting real sassy with Beastman because Be Beastman says, like, you'll wish you never heard the name Beastman. And then He-Man <laughs> says, I already wish I'd never oh, heard I that, that name. I love that, that line funny. in any, any show or anything else. That's, that's the best line ever. That's so sassy. Someday you will wish you never heard the name Beast Man. I already wish I never heard it. Oh, and then all of a sudden, very they have to have some exposition there where all of a sudden we are talking about th this abyss around Castle Grayskull. We've never talked about it before. Yeah, that... <laughs> it's uh, not a point of interest until now. That steep ledge, that uh, the nothingness under the drawbridge to Castle Grayskull, that's a big deal. Uh, excuse me, it is called the Jawbridge. <laughs> That's true. So it's bottomless, we learn. And also, mm -hmm. there's lots of strange magic power stuff there. And they spend a lot of time talking about how if you dropped a stone, it would never fall. And here's this trick again, because again, when I mentioned this as a thing that kids do, is dropping mm -hmm. a stone down a thing to see how far it is and pretend like you can judge the distance from when the rock hits... This is clearly something that was in 80s cartoons because this is like literally the third time this has come up in He-Man. Well, like, there's Tila doing that old rock trick you know, again. You know what I was going to say is I thought that was funny because y'all quit playing around this abyss. This is dangerous. And I was just thinking, this is their railroad trestle. Like y'all do not play around this abyss. That's not, that's not safe. And Faker has already <laughs> fell down here and he ain't come back. This is dangerous. <laughs> it's true. I forgot about Faker. <laughs> All right, Pete. Adam, Adam, not here either. So Tila also Tila mentions around this time that uh, Adam's behind on his training, and He Man gives a little uh, smirk. Again, unbearable, unbearable. I can't stand when he has to be sassy about the fact that Tila doesn't know his secret. It's like you're just being rude. Well, it's just being rude. We we've only just seen the tip of the rudeness iceberg because Adam skips his uh, gymnasium lesson with uh, Tila. Yeah, and, and... he was rude. He was rude. He was napping with Cringer. Tila goes looking for him, and she asks him why he didn't show up for practice, and he says... I don't know, like he didn't feel I like did, it. I didn't feel like it. Yeah, yeah, there we go. To tell the truth, Tila, I didn't feel like it. 
What? Yeah, and of course she's livid as she should be because it's very disrespectful. It's her responsibility to make sure the prince can acquit himself in battle properly. Yeah, and then also he's just being rude to Tila and he's talking about how tired he is. And like, let me tell you something, Prince Adam. Being tired is just like being an adult because every adult is tired all the time, uh -huh. okay? You're going to have to power through. He uh, So the, the way he's especially rude is uh, when he doesn't want to have the conversation anymore, he uh, pulls rank on her for the first time and says, that'll be all, Captain. Yeah. That was, and you could see, like, they did a pretty good job of, of showing how she would be uh, ticked about that. And, and then uh, Cringer was like, I hope you're happy when the hell you behaved. Well, and, yeah. And he rolled off of him, too. Like, he, like, said, you're not laying on me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Cringer <laughs> wants no part of this. Yeah. And, and Prince Adam says that he's just, like, tired from being He-Man and, and doing all this stuff. So it was really rude. And it was uh, especially uh, galling to see him act like that. I will say... I found this kind of interesting to see them flawed and acting like real people and be unflattering some. That is true. It was it was really interesting. And even showing the um, childishness of going to brag to the sorceress about how they did, it made these people seem a lot more real to me. Um, so I, I was surprised that in a way it was kind of working. But here is where I started to be a little bothered. Tila goes and tells uh, her father about what happened. And then he dismissed me as if I were a, a stranger. Uh, Tila, remember, he is the Prince of Eternia. And Duncan plays it neutral, but he should have at least acknowledged, like, I can understand why you'd be upset. Yeah, and here's where he tells her that she's just doing stuff wrong. Like, well, Tila, when was the last time you let loose? Like, <laughs> okay, you know, this is serious, like... I already have to work like twice as hard to be taken seriously because I'm like young and so forth and I'm a lady and so forth. But no, my problem is that I can't cut loose. Well, I wonder why. Do you think it's because unrealistic expectations have been placed on my young shoulders? I don't know. It's like, Duncan. yeah, I don't have like guns coming out of my knees and stuff like it's everybody true. else here. My head isn't a cybernetic elephant. What no. am I supposed to do? She just got some boots and some gadgets. <laughs> and, you know, I just thought that was very rude. I'm like, come on. And then she gets the idea that she. She's going to use playtime as a way to make Adam accidentally <laughs> practice his skills. But she acts like Duncan gave her the idea when really he was just rude to her and she got the idea on her own. Would you agree that that is kind of what happened? Or do you think Man-at-Arms was like in on it? Like, what if you play and have some fun and then accidentally you could show Adam up a way to work on his skills? Like, do you think he thought that? I don't think he did. I don't think his head was in there. I think that was all her. I think he was... I I, I took it as more like a father figure, which he is, and he was trying to lead her to the point to where she would come up with the idea herself. I guess I, I can I'm, see that. It's not wonderful... And the way that they displayed it was not wonderful. The dialogue between them was not great or anything like that. But I, I, I think that's that, that that's the point they were trying to get across is that he was trying to like be like, you're not wrong. Mm, Mrs. Cringer and all the action in Act Two ruined my picnic. Thank you, Father. You've just given me an idea. When she if she gets the idea to use playtime to get him to train, though, it's starting to make me think like, how old 
is Adam emotionally like is like I want to play like what <laughs> right. what like I, the, when I think of like emotionally he's old enough to think a picnic is fun <laughs> well that's what I was wondering too like what is this like I, what what character what age I'm, tr- I'm trying to place this when I think about how Adam really is there was an episode where uh, I think it was the one where they went underwater or, or with Merman or something and he was playing like uh, uh, Marco Polo with just some like palace girls just being an idiot around in the hallways that's the kind of guy i think adam is but this is almost like infantile i mean both it, was, it was pretty creepy it was weird but anyway what's what's her what? i took it as that he was trying to be just you know more i i think they did overdo it like like you're saying like it was almost infantile but i think he was trying to be more he was trying to become a point where he's you know he's a prince and then they want him to be the captain of the guard, and you know, just like yeah, all it stuff. made it was, sense. It was really interesting to see. He man gets tired sometimes. Yeah, yeah, he man gets tired. And I, I, well, I mean, I, I think I discussed this before, but like being he man itself, and then once you come out of he man, he's just exhausted. <laughs> yeah, and he needs to it's eat like eight thousand yeah, calories yeah. to get his energy back. Maybe it was the game specific game they were playing that seemed especially silly. So she wants to do like hide and seek. But then we got to high tech it up. They've got homing beacons they're going to use, and he's supposed to find her. And he's all for this idea. Yes, it sounds like fun to him. Hey, hide and seek. We used to play that when we were kids, remember? Quick question. Have you ever been, like, real tired and then, like, got mad at somebody because you were tired? <laughs> like, at work? Like, in, in your job? Yeah. In your in your professional life? Yeah, when, because if somebody is... And, like, you got rude? ...demanding that you switch gears in your brain or to deal with something you're not prepared to deal with at that moment, you know it's going to take a lot more energy to do than you want to do. Like, I was like I'm not want to have this conversation right now. Yeah, I think that happens all the time. <laughs> I think that happens to all of us, yes. Well, I guess it works sometimes, but at home sometimes, yes, it does. Especially with <laughs> the high demand of kids. Mm-hmm. You can become frustrated very quickly if you don't get enough sleep, and mm-hmm. there are very high demand all the time. It's good, though. Sorry. <laughs> it happens. Sorry. We deal with it. Yeah. It's a thing. I, I think about convention weekend for myself and how I'm being asked a lot of questions and there are a lot of very stressful things happening and then I get tired on top of it and then I just get very honest with everyone about, <laughs> about how I feel. And I say sentences like with authority, like I say things like, that's not a priority right now or this is my preference. Let's just do this. And I just get rude because I'm just tired. unfold the folding chairs. <laughs> what I mean, is your problem? I mean, basically, it's, it's stuff like that. Well, I think, I think maybe it's when I see evidence of people behaving in a way that's, that requires me to spend more energy than I needed to. Like, if you had synthesized the words that I put in this email, then we would not be having this conversation right now. I start to get a lot more sensitive to those issues, I suppose. Yeah, and then you just get really tired because you're like, now I have to reiterate this whole argument. Yes, yes. Can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, so anyway, this we we get you, Prince Adam, okay? Yeah, We've yeah. all been tired at work. It was a realistic problem, like I it say. Was. I like I seeing them humanize the character a little bit. I just wish they would have made him a little less bratty because yeah. he was bratty. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, because this would have been even more fascinating if, while he what he behaved was unflattering, if they could have made him a little more sympathetic, it would have been really interesting. 
Because they could have made Tila and Prince Adam more sympathetic. It would be pretty hard to make him sympathetic because he is a prince. I guess they would have to show him, um, they would have to show the way that he was tired. Like, they'd have to show He-Man, like, being a little winded or something, I guess. Yeah, they really never really show him, like, converting back. Mm -hmm. Or having to understand the toll it takes to to transform into He-Man or something. Yeah, I mean, he gets his energy, but then, like, once he loses his energy, does it, like, suck it, like, out of him? Like, is he... Yeah, it has to be, all yeah, it has to be like, too? a big workout or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's Imagine. why he's always napping. Yeah. He needs those naps. I would like to know that. You know what? That would have been a nice little character addition. That's why Adam naps all the time. It's because he's tired from being He-Man. That would be really interesting. He's a, la- he's a lazy, lazy slob. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> he's not a slob. He got a nice press shirt. <laughs> So they do play the hide-and-seek game and have a grand old time. And she finds a, what is that thing called? Blue bluebird thing? It was a blue, bouncy, cute animal thing that she said she was going to call it Pookie, which Which is... Which I hilarious. (laughs) Aren't you the cutest thing? What's your name, little fella? (laughs) I think I'll call you Pookie. What do you think? Do you like the name Pookie? But Tila announces that she's going to name this thing. It's like I'm going to call you Pookie, and it thinks it's a great idea. And it's like I, I thought I actually thought that was pretty cute. With well, she was like hugging it and stuff. I thought that was really really funny. Like she just loves this little thing. It's like a puppy or something. Well, yeah, it was pretty adorable. It was really cute, and uh, and so uh, she and um, Pookie get a really. Uh, far head start ahead of uh adam and they uh leap over this uh crevasse and everything and uh adam gets to the edge of it and he's like what am i supposed to do now yeah and then he kind of falls into the crevasse and i was like "Ooh, adam fell into the abyss like no he didn't that did not happen he just got waylaid for a minute and meanwhile Tila gets distracted hugging this little animal and she falls into the abyss the because, ledge breaks yeah. because she is distracted by hugging a cute thing are you <laughs> kidding me And I'm like, yeah, I hear this happens to, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg all the time. Like, (laughs) seriously? Distracted by hugging a cute thing? That was what foiled Tila? I don't think so, but apparently, yes. You know what would have been a better story? Is if she saw Adam being a little careless or yawning or something, and she went out on a limb to help him and ended up falling in or something. Yeah, that would have been totally acceptable. But just distracted by hugging something cute. That is ridiculous. So the ground crumbles and she falls She is captain of the king's guard. I mean, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Come on now. This is Man-at-Arms, and my invention was the hero of Act 3. (laughs) Kids. All right, come on, Tila. Pull yourself together. Think. Stay cool now. How are we going to get out of this one? Oh, wait! The homing device! She falls in, and she breaks her arm, and and, uh, is wondering how to get out, so she sets her homing beacon to transmit. In the meantime, Adam can't find her, and she's been gone for like four hours, and he goes to and tells Duncan, so they... uh, decide to increase the power on the beacons to try to track her. Yeah, so Duncan does some tweaking on the device, and then they get her signal, and then they're like, I don't understand, it's right here. And then, you know, 
they realize that right here means that she's in the abyss. Oh no! And they just think she's dead. Uh, well, the question is, is I, I, how is she not dead? <laughs> That's also it was a long fall. It was, it was a long. I mean, shoot, there was going at least. And like, it's just flat ground. It wasn't like it, the fall was broken up. Yeah, by she hitting didn't the like, edges. like hit the hit a branch yeah. or anything on the way down. It was the updraft. The updraft saved. No, okay, her I'll go with that. There you go. Yeah, it was so strong that it like slowed her down. So sorceress, who's like. Um, her rear mom. rear window her watching mom. them. Is. Her mom. Also her mom. Sorceress is just spying on everybody. She's bored. It's like me when I'm home all day and like a truck drives down the street. I'm like, who is that? Like Sorceress. <laughs> Rebecca's is... hanging out the window. <laughs> what what, are, what you are you doing? doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? Exactly the right. curler's in a bread pen. Yeah. Like that's paper what, boy. That's what Sorceress <laughs> is doing. She's doing the same thing. She's you like picking up my garbage cans? Like you're like, who put garbage in my yard? Like she's doing the same thing. She's Pick just up that bored. Skittles wrapper. <laughs> How did this get here, he man? Quit listening to Phantom of the Opera out there and get out of my yard. So she, she picks up their distress in their brains and uh, learns that uh, Tila's in trouble. So she sends her brain waves out and tries to contact Tila to comfort her. And Tila says out loud that she uh, senses her mother, which is interesting because we haven't seen Tila acknowledge this relationship since um, way, way back in season one. Yeah, when they wiped her memory because she can't know about the whole thing. So I was like, well, that's nice of you to throw her that bone every once. So she knows she has a mother who cares about her in her mind and heart. That's all that matters, whatever. So we start seeing like them marrying like kind of like uh, some silly stuff with some really like hardcore lore stuff with the show. It was it was it was, was kind of weird. Um, so they can't really reach her uh, through normal means. So Adam decides to turn into He Man. That's strange. I wonder what. By the power of Grayskull. And it was pretty neat because. She can see the He-Man power coming up from the center of the Earth through that big crevasse up to Adam on the top side. I was like, that was a pretty neat idea. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. I, I, I like that a lot, too. That's a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty That was and, pretty well, clever. The, the thing I didn't like was that she goes, what is that? Like, she knows what it is. <laughs> like, she has to know what it is. Yeah, she know, yeah, everybody knows it comes from Castle Grayskull. That's fine. So He-Man and his pals, uh, which is uh, Duncan and Orko, uh, they climb down and throw her a rope. Duncan almost falls. Um, they pull her out. And Tila says again that uh, she sensed her mother like she wanted to comfort her and be in her arms. And Sorceress gives like a knowing look from her uh, creepy window staring and says in her brain, she's like, I do or you did. Yeah. <laughs> again. Again, why ain't we telling Tila? We gotta tell Tila. I don't know why we can't tell Tila. The end. I want to see sorcerers ruminate a little more about like, how are we gonna start grooming Tila for her sorceress responsibilities? Or I want to see sorcerers like express some interest in how her um captain stuff is 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 going like, i want to see her like harangue duncan about like is she getting the promotions she needs and- yeah you know if she would have gone to sorcerers about this problem where she's like adam told me to go away she'd be like she would be like, that's horrified. not very he-manly well of that'd be exactly right she's like adam you must take this seriously castle grayskull is important and must be defended at all costs what if he-man started acting like a brat that would be very uncomfortable for everybody then sorcerers would have to put him in his place 
He-Man started acting like Yeah. She could confiscate his I sword. I, I, I don't think I don't think he ever would. <laughs> well, he's, I mean, he's I, very I mean, old. I, I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess he could. Yeah, that's not behavior becoming of a 54-year-old yeah, man. I was going to say, He-Man's waiting for his ARP card in the mail. <laughs> he is just, he's above being a brat, I guess. But I'm just saying, Sorceress, she'd shut that down. She'd be like, you were right to be upset, Tila. And she's like, thank you. That's all I wanted. I just wanted some acknowledgement <laughs> that my feelings are valid. Thank you. That's, that's weird. You sound like my mom. <laughs> and then she would know. And then she'd be, yeah. And then no, everything I would don't. be good. I don't know what you're talking about. And everything would be fine. Tila learned two extremely important lessons today. So we got a double daddy moral here. Ugh, which I hate. Yep. This is one, okay, this is one, okay, okay. Blue. I'm winding up, hold on. <laughs> okay, this is Wind one thing that drives me Are you about to enter crazy. a state of Hulkamania? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm getting all riled up Or are you here. like the ultimate warrior who ran all the way down the thing, got to the ring, and has no more energy left? Listen, just quickly, <laughs> okay. I need to say that it drives me crazy yeah. when they have to act like Tila's the little girl you're supposed to say, she did bad, she's a dumb little girl. She's not Glimmer. She's not Glimmer, okay? And then when no freaking Duncan and He-Man, who is Prince Adam, who is like her, you know, someone she's supposed to be protecting like when they double up to like be condescending about tila and how bad she did mm -hmm. and how she needs a lesson i just want to smack them both it makes me so irritated that really seems She's like a grown. that seems like a relic from the era i don't that it wouldn't does. fly now we don't need two daddies okay it's not all my two dads over here in the 80s it did not have to be okay i feel like in the 2000s he-man they um they fix that a, a little bit but yeah it was it was a kind of kind of funny and i i thought that their so their lesson was about you know they learned about uh uh playing safe safely and i feel like they ascribed some behavior to tila that she didn't no! exhibit to bolster their argument that's right because they were like play safely it's like she freaking brought a homing device that allowed you to find her when something went wrong she did play safely she all i mean and also she's a grown lady and captain of the guard like don't be talking about like playing safely you like tell he-man like like battle safely <laughs> i mean <laughs> come on right, nobody's say anything to ram man about banging your head on rocks and stuff oh he's covered <laughs> so not she, she just can't do anything right not only should she play more they're like well you don't play enough today also you're not playing right you're doing it wrong like come on now i can't stand it it's made me so mad <laughs> when you play away from family or friends make sure someone knows where you are at all times We should, we should give a judgment now. We should summarize our thoughts, okay. organize them, and render a judge, judgment upon it. Judgment time. I will say that there was, there was the spirit of something here that we had not seen in a lot of episodes that I wanted to see more of. I think they, I wanted to see them do it better, but like we were saying earlier, I really appreciated seeing them act like human people. I like that they go brag to the sorceress. I like that um, we're seeing like the toll of He-Man on Adam and that not everybody behaves perfectly all the time. And I thought all the lore stuff was really interesting. The stuff about the He-Man power coming out of the center of the uh, Earth was was uh, really cool. I, I think they could have made them more um, sympathetic. And I wanted to see um, Tila get get into this trouble in a little less embarrassing way. So I can't give it that high score. But I, there was a lot I liked about it because it was so weird. I, I, I would say like 4.3 pookies. <laughs> 
And I will just say that I really wasn't a fan of this one. So I was 3.4. Uh huh. Because of all the reasons that I've already made clear. Uh huh. Don't you lecture Tila? She knows what she's doing. You liked, did you, was that neat to you when they were unflattering a little bit? How they was a little bit human? Like, was that kind of interesting? Sure. Or? That's why I didn't get a two. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll split the difference and do like a 3.8. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I I thought the episode was was okay. So some of the lore stuff was pretty interesting. Um, I liked how they brought up, yeah. But the the silliness with Tila, she's smarter than that. I don't know. It, it just seems weird. They they <laughs> did they just put it in a predicament that it's kind of unbelievable. I kind of wish the thing like pushed her in or something like tricked her or something. Yeah, like something besides yeah. snuggling the animal. Yeah. I, I suppose I'm um I really like to see uh weirdness in the episodes to shake things up so um I, I appreciate them going for that but yeah I'll, I'll have to agree with that much I I, I think I would have given it a lot more if if the thing just kind of like he's like <laughs> or like and then like turn red or something <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome right. <laughs> It's time for the lightning round. So during this exciting segment, we'll each have about a minute apiece to summarize these episodes that happened in between our main episodes. In the lightning round, we will have 11 episodes to quickly take you through. And this week, both Will and Scott have four, and I'm the lucky girl who has a mere three. Boo! Boo! Boo me! All right, we're starting with... William, what do you have? Okay, so this is one of 11. I'm reviewing He-Man, Season 2, Episode 74, Island of Fear. Go. Okay, uh, King Randor is giving an announcement about a new dam they're building, but Cringer immediately is telling the Orcos, there's no room for animals. Afterward, in the war room, Randor has to take Buzz off seriously about some lost ships. He-Man and his pals go looking for a missing island in the Wind Raider, which has a female voice. The island appears near a dam and Buzz Off is constantly screaming the whole way. There's a sign behind the waterfall that reads, Hello, chumps. And Duncan <laughs> Duncan thought that was very rude. And they're swept in. Skeletor is going to crash the island into the dam, and he'll have all the food, so he'll rule the empire. Duncan says, Skeletor's plan seems surprisingly good. Tila says, It looks like we hit pay dirt, and she frees everyone. He-Man stops the island. Skeletor rides Merman and Whiplash into the sunset like he's skiing. The island is turned into a nature reserve and a vacation camp. Tila says, At last, a national park for all the people of Eternia. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> I give I give this episode three point five national parks. Uh, I I remember that somebody had that uh, that clip somewhere and it, it was looks hilarious. That so sounded that, like a that, really that, good that, that one. Was a clip. Yeah. So did you give it a rating? Yeah, th- uh, three point five national parks. Was, it sounded really good. It was pretty funny. The Hello Chumps was like Looney Tunes. It was ridiculous. That is great. That sounds really good. Okay, we already reviewed He-Man Season 2, Episode 75, To Save Skeletor, in a previous episode, so check out our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. Now, Scott, what do you have? Uh, This is uh, 2 of 11. It's uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 76, The Ice Age Cometh. 
All right. Uh, the episode opens with Philip, uh, which is a royal guard trainee, and he's a real bummer kind of kid. Orko distracts him, and Whiplash comes in out of nowhere and tries to steal an ice raider. He-Man comes and stops Whiplash. Skeletor is mad at Whiplash for not getting it and threatens to make him luggage. Uh, <laughs> Philip is sent to the Northern Weather Station as punishment. Skeletor hears this. He talks to Icer. He's like Iceman. Philip is traveling. He goes to the weather station. The shields go down. Icer sneaks in and goes through the shield. Uh, Icer tricks Philip and gets into the weather station and then there's a giant glacier uh, because Icer has has changed the weather for everything for Eternia. He-Man and Orko Tilo Battle Cat head up north to see what's what's wrong. They find Philip outside. He says that Icer's inside. He-Man and Tilo fight a, a giant caterpillar. Orko messes up some magic. They fight Icer. He-Man uses a sword to uh, oh, to burrow into a layer of lava and heats up everything, and Icer runs away. Um, it was it was okay. Uh, 3.9 catachillers. All right. Catachiller. That's good. Sorry, that that, that, that that's that's what <laughs> that's the, a good name. Yes, that, that that was the name of the caterpillar. Yes, it was it was all over the place. Icer was pretty cool. And we'll probably never see him again. I don't, I don't know if he was ever an action figure or anything. Maybe that's Frost's boyfriend somehow. It, Philip was real bummer. <laughs> okay, I am up next. Three of 11. This is He-Man Season 1, Episode 77, Trouble in Trolla, which I am stunned that Will did not take this episode for himself. <laughs> I feel like it's your turn. <laughs> it's my turn. <laughs> All right. Trouble in Trolla. Orko's uncle got challenged for the leadership of the Magic Academy in Trollop by an upstart young wizard called Snoob because of being too old. Or was it sabotage? So Orko and He-Man go to Trolla to figure it out. And Snoob is rude and he's very pointy. He's got a pointier hat and his nose is pointing through his purple mouth rag. So that's how you know he's bad. And so we find out that he's been teaching magic to Whiplash. (gasps) And Orko and Driel find out they get captured he-man and montork go to rescue him snoob gets convinced he's bad he has a change of heart blah 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 so they all hold hands with montork and they beat a monster and he-man stuffs whiplash into a trunk where he suffocates okay but he could have he did not suffocate but he could have they just left him in there and orko says old people should be respected so 3.8 snoobs out of five i like that name it was fine. <laughs> okay, that's high praise for a trial episode about Orca. That must mean it was incredible. Uh, do with that what you will. All right, and we have Scott once more, 4 okay. of 11. Yep, 4 of 11. This is uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 78, Betrayal of Stratos. I'm very stressed out. I don't want anyone to betray Stratos. Oh, yes. It was, yes. Betray him. Betray him. Betray. (laughs) Opens with Skeletor and his guys uh, attacking Avion. The shield generators were sabotaged, and Stratos is blamed, and then he's banished from Avion. (gasps) Uh, You learn that the egg that's in the center of Avion gives the bird people the ability to fly, so when Stratos leaves, he will eventually lose ability to fly. (gasps) Yeah, Stratos runs. He Stratos runs to He-Man. 
um, so him and He-Man um, head back to Avion to find out what's going on with the saboteur. And then they see Skeletor, so he steals a giant egg. He-Man and Stratos go to consult the sorceress to find out where the egg is. She she tells them it is in the demon zone, home to Whiplash. Uh, they go to the demon zone. The king of demons lets Whiplash know that He-Man and Stratos are, are there. They come across uh, Lady Stratos, the saboteur. Um, uh, but they still free her because because uh, bird people don't like cages. Uh, they, they, they find the egg. They grab it from a dragon. Uh, the dragon chases them. They bust through the door, but then immediately seal it with a bunch of rock and everyone's saved. Uh, 4.6 hard-boiled avian eggs uh, that sounds that like a cool. good one i may have to go back and watch that one it was it was great because of the, the the demon zone and there was it, he was a he was a king demon which is basically the devil <laughs> and whiplash was there it was it was just, it was good that sounds like a good one yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go catch up and watch that one yeah that sounds good stratus is my boy mm-hmm. i want to see want to see him do good Okay, we already reviewed He-Man Season 2, Episode 79, Disappearing Dragons, in a previous episode, which brings us to 5 of 11, Will. Okay, this is He-Man Season 2, Episode 80, The Shadow of Skeletor. Oh. Tila and Manny Faces are rehearsing for a play, and Ram Man gets confused and thinks Manny Faces is a real monster, and they get into a boy fight that lasts the whole episode. <laughs> He-Man turns into an actual tornado to stop a crashing ship. Beastman, who was in it, is captured. Skeletor calls Beastman and says, All right, what's the delay? Manny Faces impersonates Beastman. He-Man almost transforms in front of Tila and covers by saying, Remind me to show you my jacket when we get home. <laughs> Skeletor is trying to start what? a war between the people on his Dark Moon Colony and Eternia's Bright Moon Colony. A treaty of friendship is melodramatically torn up. Beastman summons a dragon to spring him from prison. Skeletor attacks Manny Faces and Ram Man saves him and they hug. He-Man breaks Skeletor's moon weapon and the treaty is signed and Ram Man and Manny Faces argue over how much they like each other. <laughs> also, it seems like Tila is not dating Ram Man anymore. <laughs> I would say the score is uh, four theater smooches. That sounds pretty good. It was really good. I gotta say, that sounds like a good one that you have. I'm a little envious. Ram Man hugging, huh? That sounds very lovely. Okay, we already reviewed He-Man Season 2, Episode 81, The Arena, in a previous episode. And that brings us up to 6 of 11, Scott. Oh, it's me again. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, I have my last two go together. So. Yes, I am doing uh, He-Man Season 1, Episode 82, Attack from Below. Okay, it opens with uh, Tila and Orko helping out some farmers. There's an earthquake, and Tila gets sucked down in a crack in the earth. Uh, so does all the corn in the field, which is kind of weird. Uh, Tila sees some mole men collecting all the corn. Uh, they capture her. Orko goes and tells He-Man. Mole Man King tells Tila they were enslaved by Skeletor back in the day and don't trust the above grounders. Uh, Tila talks don't work. The Mole Man attack Eternia. Uh, Man at Arms gets gets out the Dragon Walker. Toy alert! Dragon Walker's <laughs> awesome. Uh, Mole Man tries to steal uh, more corn. He-Man goes and finds the power source of the vehicles and destroys it. He-Man finds a source. Uh, Mole King still tries to flood Eternia, but He-Man diverts all of it to the ocean. The Mole Man help replant all the crops in the end. Um, so they, they kind of forgive him. It was all over the place. <laughs> um, it was still pretty decent because the Dragon Walker and stuff like that. So uh, 3.8... Uh, red-eyed mole men 
Awesome. <laughs> Toy alert. Okay, we're also covering episodes 83 through 85 in our regular show. Which brings us to Will, 7 of 11. Yep, and this is He-Man, Season 1, Episode 86, A Trip to Morena. Trip. Okay, uh, Duncan is playing uh, Marco Polo with people with his new People Finder machine, and uh, Randor tricks him by inviting like seven people into the room. Uh, then Randor gets a call from his kingly friend, and they both look like playing card characters. <laughs> Adam uh, is sent to pick up an energy crystal from this other king's ice kingdom. Adam and pals crash in the tundra there, and Adam gets ticked at Cringer a little bit, and he says, No, Cringer, about something. <laughs> they follow Snowmobile tracks to Morena. Beastman and Trapjaw are complaining about how cold it is in Skeletor's plane. Morena's royal children are fighting. The boy is spoiled, and no one listens to the princess. Trapjaw and Beastman were in disguise because they they were wearing castle livery and they looked like they were wearing Long John Silver's bibs. <laughs> the king hypnotized them to go home. Skeletor reversed it. Such, you just hypnotized yourself. He imprisons the king. The boy prince won't listen to the chancellor or the princess about what to do. Skeletor wants energy crystals. He-Man takes the princess's idea seriously, uses her secret entrance, and sends Orko through to rescue, rescue her father. Orko has a headlamp that looks very hard to animate. There was like seven minutes of stuff that happened that I zoned out for. Battle Cat's claws were described as being like little ice picks. Everyone agrees to listen to Janice, the princess, more because she saved everybody. I would give it 3.5 Orko headlamps. All right. Do you think they called her Princess Janice after Janice Diamond, who wrote... I don't know. I bet they did. They may I have bet they been. did, actually. I like, Janice is a very... It's not... You know, it's no flood arena for, like... It's no glimmer. It's mm-hmm. it's not a very princessy name. I so bet you're right. Maybe so. That would be cute. Now, we're on 8 of 11. And this is your last one, Scott. It is. Okay. Uh, I am reviewing She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 49. For want of a horse. Okay. Hordak is complaining about Horde Prime's birthday is coming up. <laughs> uh, Grizzler suggests that he should give him two Horde headbands because uh, Horde Prime has two heads. Hordak takes Shadow Weaver's idea and ste- to steal Swiftwind. She-Ra tries to stop a dam from breaking and leaves Bo in Swiftwind. Uh, Bo di- gets distracted by Shadow Weaver and gets and they capture Shif- the Swiftwind. Uh, Hordak is pleased and that they caught Swiftwind. Uh, Hordak explains all the horrible things that are going to happen to Swiftwind, and Swiftwind sheds a cheer. Um, Bo and She-Ra try to attack the Fright Zone. She- She-Ra goes for a swim and enters the castle and saves Swiftwind. Bo talks himself up and enters the castle, and She-Ra has to save him. Hordak ends up uh, giving Horde Prime the two headbands. Horde Prime is not pleased and sends Hordak <laughs> through through a trap door. It was not a it was not a very good episode. <laughs> it was it was quite ridiculous. A waste of Horde Prime. I know, but those yeah. details are hilarious though. I, I mean, there's there's certain parts that were just like it was it was just full of sillies. Uh, I, <laughs> to 2.5 Horde headbands. Okay, but. Mm-hmm. I, uh, just like there's there's certain parts of Mantena too, like going to he went through the trap door like four times. And I'm like, this is what is happening. That's there's a no lot. like. Well, speaking of silliness, we we're on to my episode, which is uh, Shira season one episode fifty, just like me, which is another uh, pretty silly one. So I'll go with that one. This is uh, starts with Modulok stealing a bunch of grain from villagers' silo. 
and the daughter of the villagers gets all spunky and she vows she's gonna join the rebellion and the little girl's name is Lena and she wants to be like She-Ra because She-Ra is not afraid of the Horde although her parents get captured by the Horde and in the meantime Bo who's tussling with them does a really great move that's a somersault culminating in a donkey kick of a Horde trooper so that was pretty great but this little girl Lena she's really annoying she's bad she only wants She-Ra to help she won't let anybody else help she keeps cupping her hands and giving shrill advice to She-Ra, like, yeah, She-Ra, you do it. It was like the worst. This kid was the worst. Shouting unhelpful things. She's real bad. She's a thad if there ever was one. So we see Bo and this dumb little girl being impetuous and wanting to attack the Horde to get the parents back. So She-Ra has to fix everything, basically by convincing, uh, turning back into Wadora and then making them fix it for themselves. Um, and watch this one only if you really want to see Modulok, because there's a lot of him, or if you dislike villager children. <laughs> I like so, both of those. I'll say 3.0 silos. Okay, <laughs> silos. Not great. <laughs> not a great one. Is there a more neutral symbol in the world <laughs> than a silo? Silo, not not too thrilling. Funny. But so that one was woof. That little girl was the worst. <laughs> All right, and then I have 10 of 11 as well. This is Shira. Season one, episode 51, my friend, my enemy, the polar opposite of this one. Cause you get like, sometimes they're like, sometimes they're hit or miss, but uh -huh. She-Ra, this is a fantastic one. Okay. All right. So Hordak is eating a pie from a secret admirer and Grizzler <laughs> has to ask what an admirer is and why someone would like Hordak, which was a good gag. Psych, it was Skeletor. It was a Doomberry pie. And he and Catra are in cahoots again. So they're plotting against, um, against Hordak. So this Doomberry pie takes effect during a tussle with the rebels. And Raz says that uh, Hordak will get sick and then disappear forever. That's the curse of the Doomberry pie. So Shira asks Light Hope what to do. And he says, do what you know is right in your heart, which is basically cheating because that's always true in cartoons. But then also he says that someone must shed tears for Hordak in order to cure him. So Shira takes Hordak to his old mentor's mountain. He's the wizard to see if the wizard will help. And the wizard won't help because Hordak is evil and Skeletor is mean to him too. And they're mean together. And they talk about like what a terrible guy he is. And he's so pitiful and he's like, like on the ground, completely helpless. And it's so horrible that She-Ra cries for him and gives this nice speech about an unmourned life that he'll have if he disappears now. And it was really touching. Yeah, interesting. And it was, it was very lovely. And so I'd say... 4.6 Doomberries out of five. Interesting. And he was and he was cured, and then he had no memory of, of it happening. And they were like, well, he won't know what you did for him. And she was like, it was... You know, I like when they mix the silly with the serious. That's really interesting. Oh, yeah. I also I mean, love that lovely. phrase, a Doomberry pie. What a great piece of language. It was, it was really lovely. It cool. was really lovely. Interesting. Yeah. All right, and this is our last one, mm -hmm. 11 of 11. Okay, this is She-Ra, Season 1, Episode 52, The Wizard. Cal was on the lookout for tax collectors and didn't manage to warn anybody. Shira and Bo are talking to a villager who uh, has a lot of upper body garments but underpants underneath. And uh, Shira stomps on some horde members and flattens them like pancakes, like they're Goombas. Uh, Bo was frozen and rescued by Shira. She asks if he's all right. Says, "In your arms, how could I be anything else?" Bo hurts Cal's feelings, and then uh, Broom uh, says, "Madam had a courage spell to help him out." Uh, we go see Raz. She's got a new theme song. It goes boom, boom. Boom, ba -doom, ba -doom, boom. And uh, like she tells it. him to go away with his foolishness. And uh, Bo and Cal feel disrespected and try to get employed somewhere else. They get picked up by some um, medicine show guys. One of them talks out the side of his mouth like this. Another one's name is Acrobat. And he says, yes, sirree, siru. Uh, and they take um, 
room and cowl to a, a horde outpost uh, run by uh, this guy who has an open face helmet and a goatee. Shira and Bo arrive. Shira knocks some horde members into barrels. Swiftwind says he loves maneuver, maneuver 55. The colonel has uh, guns on his knees. Bo blasts his armor off. Cowl and Broom make up with their buddies at a picnic table, and Lookie says, "Don't run away from strength. Uh, don't run away with. <laughs> don't run away with strangers." Okay, the score is 3.9 maneuver 55. Don't run away from strangers. <laughs> Don't yeah. Run right to yeah, them. Run towards them. Right. Run right to them. Right. That's what Loki says. Yeah, so 3.9 maneuver 55. <laughs> and towards the fire. Okay. Uh, I feel that we've learned a lot. So, a mixed bag is always some that we wish we could spend more time with and some that we're glad that we didn't have to <laughs> spend any more time with. So, good times. <laughs> All right, that's our show for today. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be reviewing Season 2, Episode 7 of She-Ra, The Pearl, where She-Ra and Mermista go after a magic pearl because ladies love jewelry. <laughs> if you'd like to follow along with the show, you can find our episode guide at thewizardsnightshirt.com. If you have any questions or comments for us to discuss, you can email us at rumors at thewizardsnightshirt.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. We want to thank you for listening, and please remember, Sorceress saw you drop your trash in her yard. <laughs> What's the matter, Adam? Can't you keep up with a girl? Pookie, I'll race you to the castle. I'll show her. She's not going to get the best of me. Oh!